Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome back, everybody. It is the J.C. and Morgan podcast back by popular demand. You didn't think we left for good, did you? Just a little bit of a hiatus back with you here in late February. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. We are brought to you each and every podcast by the fine folks at bpskinnerclothiers.com. Brent Skinner can take care of all your clothing needs. Custom fit, he will come to your place not his. Go to bpscannerclothiers.com. JC, a lot has happened since we were away. We did a we did a podcast after the national championship game, and again, we plan on doing this on a regular basis, even throughout the off season, because there's so much news throughout the off season. I want to get into the second signing day. We talked about the first one, and I know you're all over that as you've been for several years now uh, on the pulse of kind of recruiting trends and everything else. We'll take a good macro view of the latest national signing day in college football. A lot of stuff went down there in the final 24 hours or so. Uh, the latest on Missouri and the sanctions, kind of a bombshell dropped in Columbia, the impact of that. A lot of coaching news that affects the ranks of Alabama and others. Some premier uh, programs across college football have had a lot of uh, transactions, if you will, on the coaching ranks. But JC, I want to start with something a little bit timely that does involve football and what we just saw with the bowl season. And, and that is last night, we're recording this the day after the big Duke, North Carolina basketball game. And of course, 30 seconds in Zion Williamson tweaks his knee. Now I'm on the air calling a game at Auburn. So I don't see this live. I'm getting updates on my phone and Zion, this Zion, that, and I finally get back and I'm digesting all that. And then I wake up this morning and predictably uh, it is everybody's got to this is an excuse for them to get their narrative out there that uh, either college athletes are exploited. Uh, the one and done rule kids should not have to go to college. And Zion Williamson, according to many, should just quit Duke basketball, not risk exacerbating the injury and just not play at all. And the reason this kind of affects what we talk about on this podcast in college football is that we just came and went through another bowl season where a number of marquee players bailed. And of course, in the case of Bosa, he bailed on the entire season for Ohio State. But a, a lot of kids, and we're not just talking about the galleryfurniture.com type bowls. We're talking about some significant bowl games were bailed on by players. So I, I guess when I, I, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard the Zion news and people pontificating as to whether or not he should ever play basketball game. And by the way, I believe he will at Duke. Um, where are we heading in college football in terms of 
young men deciding to just bail on postseason games. Any thoughts on that after what you saw transpire in December and January? Well, you know, first of all, the Zion Williamson thing, his shoe exploded. I mean, it was a it was a freaky deal. I mean, you know, Nike uh, is kind of doing some damage control today because uh, the shoe just exploded, looked, just came apart. Now, of course. I don't know that basketball shoes are always made for guys that are 280 pounds and move around like he does. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think that as with, with all things, that the political college football media narrative, uh, narrative pushers try to push, it, it's, a, it's a societal and a political narrative. It's not a sports narrative. And it, and it, 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 it's sad because I think given that the NCAA sort of knows that their amateurism uh, shtick is up um, and that players should get financially compensated in, in more ways than they do, um, and because they're beholden to this political narrative, you know, they're going to come up with, with things that are fundamentally not good for the game, like the transfer portal, <laughs> um, which is very interesting to look at. And we got it on 24-7 Sports, uh, shameless plug. We actually have the transfer portal there, and you can go and see who's available and all that good stuff. So is that public record now? Can we yeah, all? Shameless. They're, they're, yeah. they're not trying to keep it a secret anymore? That's not a, uh, not a, uh, not even a subscription deal on 24-7. Okay, so good to we, know. There is a, and it's for football and basketball. The basketball one, I think, may wreck the system. Or I don't know if you can hold that many players. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, uh, and, and it's, it, it, it creates a, an attitude of victimhood uh, with regards to college players, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the reason that this school makes money individually. Um, therefore, you know, they've exploited me enough, and I'm not risking getting paid to do this, um, you know, to play at a bowl. Um, or or to to finish out a season, um, regardless of my scholarship, you know it's just a scholarship; it's not worth it. You know, okay. Well, so so let's let's just spin this around. We got the AAF now, uh, Alliance of American Football, which, by the way, hats off to Steve Spurrier and the Orlando Apollos. Yep, yeah, yeah, doing good. Um, so so, and I think personally that that has a chance to stick. I don't know what's going to happen when the XFL comes back. So, so, so there may be a second football league out there. We'll go play. Because I'll tell you this, Mike, alums and fans, college football is not about individual players. It's, the, the NBA essentially is an individual sport these days because it's all about LeBron and the other guys and who's going to go be a super team and all this other stuff. I mean, do you ever hear – I mean, you've gone to Atlanta Hawks games. Mm-hmm. Been to a couple. How many hardcore hawks? I mean, you know, come on. Seven. <laughs> I mean, and that's a that's a. I mean, but I mean, even even franchises that get good support, like I mean, the New Orleans Pelicans get pretty good support, you know. Um, and it's not about that. So it's, it's, well, I'll just tell you to your to your point. The first Hawks game I went to this year was for one reason only. Russell Westbrook was in town yeah. with OKC, and I'd never seen him in person. And I think he's one of the most dynamic players in the history of the game, even though I don't think he's ever going to win a title. I think he's a flawed player. But I I respect his natural ability. I wanted to see him. So I was there not to see the Hawks, not even to see OKC. 
I wanted to see one particular player. The next game I went to was against the Knicks. It was Valentine's Day, and thankfully I have a, a significant other who would actually prefer to go to a sporting event than some uh, overpriced uh, dinner or show. So we just happened to go to a Hawks game just because it was. But you're absolutely right to your point. It's the old cliche. People go to college games because it's all about the name on the front of the jersey. In some cases, people go to pro games because it's about the name on the back of the jersey. And so if if kids want to test their true market value and play in the G League in basketball and the AAF in football – be my guest, but I think you might be surprised at how little demand it is to watch you in either one of those leagues because people simply don't care about either one of them in terms of the overall big picture. It's nothing like playing big-time Division One college football or basketball. I know, and, and that, that's the deal, too, is that I, th- I think that while college programs could provide more value um, in terms of uh, – you know, student athlete experience, uh, all this stuff. I mean, for example, the NCAA had this BS. Where, you know, Kentucky basketball used to have a chalet called Wildcat Lodge where they'd all live. I mean, things like that the NCAA did away with a couple of years ago. We can't do that anymore. Well, it's BS, you know. Let's let's bring back the perks, okay? Uh, let's keep flying them around in private jets, giving them the meal plan, giving them gear, you know, whatever they need. Let them give them a big stipend. And look and see that, like, look, okay, so it's not about, you know, players making college programs infinite amounts of money. Because I'm telling you this, Mike, Ohio State could go get, you know, could never sign a five-star recruit and sign, you know, the best players from the state of Ohio that want to be there, and they'd still sell out their stadium. they still sell plenty of Buckeyes jerseys. Uh, they'd still sell plenty of gear, and they'd still get paid a crap load of money because people want to watch it on TV. Okay? Uh, set the the one-and-done rule for uh, college basketball, all that's – and look, I, I think in general it's helped people be interested in, oh, well, Kentucky's got all these first-rounders and all that. But, but Kentucky basketball is still going to be Kentucky basketball even if you do away with the one-and-done rule. They're still going to pack Rupp Arena. They're still Correct. going to be the best program in the SEC, in the SEC on an annual basis. So, so that's my thing about it is this narrative about well, these guys just you know you know sit there and do all this stuff for their school and they don't get paid a dime and you could ruin their career. Well, you know what? You could ruin your career if uh, you're driving a car and uh, somebody runs a stop sign and. And, and 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 blows you up, uh, and I think that that's what people are missing. It, it, it's not found. It's not founded in reality. And, and see, the problem is, is that you know I think Zion Williamson gets it, and I think the Zion Williamson is at Duke because he wanted to go to Duke, and this is a very minor injury because his shoe exploded, and that never happens. And everybody's like, "Well, you should sit out. You should do this. You're being exploited." Blah 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 blah. Well, okay, fine. I'll I'll throw this back at you, Mike. Zion Williamson has gotten better since he's played for Duke. Okay, you're talking about a guy in some games in high school would go three for 13 from the foul line. Mm -hmm. And now he's got a sweet shot at his size. How do you think he got got that? It wasn't his AAU team, I can tell you that. (laughs) He, He played for Spartanburg Day School, and I'm from Spartanburg, and I know there's not outstanding coaching going on there in terms of a player that caliber. 
Coach K and his staff have gotten the most out of him. So they're providing value. And I think people just miss that. And I yeah. think, okay, you want everybody to just leave college and go pro? There's another batch of guys out there that just love the game and love the schools that are going to play. And the fans aren't going to give diddly poo about whatever minor league you set up because they don't. They don't in baseball. And yeah. college baseball is very regional. You know who gets more games in Columbia? More games in Columbia, South Carolina. The Gamecocks, or the Columbia Fireflies over there uh, in the stadium where the Looney Bin is. <laughs> well, I, to to that point, if you want to if you want to go over to baseball, another sport that you know I'm uh, pretty fond of and, and call a lot of college games uh, on ESPN, and and that is the fact that the kids that go and they they have the ability. There is no one and done rule in baseball. Yeah. Uh, and there is no football rule in baseball. In other words, you can, as a 19-year-old senior, go straight from high school, take a million dollars plus and as a first-round pick, and bypass college. And some kids do that. The kids that don't are obligated to stay essentially three years. And the kids that stay three years, the studies now are coming back, those are the ones that make the fastest trek to the big leagues. So they get more money after the three years because they're better players and the scouts realize that. And then they wind up getting to the bigs much faster because they're much more prepared than the kids that jump straight out of high school. Same thing with college kids. Your point on Zion's a good one. Uh, You're not going to get better coaching even in the NBA than what you're getting from Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. You're not going to learn the game the way you're the way you're learning it at the big time collegiate level is if you were playing in a G league, which is nothing more than a glorified AAU league, which you learn nothing from Zion Williamson was no guarantee to be the number one pick. In fact, I would argue he was not going to be the number one pick coming out of high school because a lot of people question how can a six, seven, 285 pound guy that doesn't have a great jump shot. Where does he really fit? Uh, Charles Barkley's come around once every 50 years. He's not necessarily Charles Barkley. He might have been number five. He might have been number seven. You don't know. Most people had R.J. Barrett as a higher prospect. So he's enhanced his value in the draft. He's become a better player. He's learned. Oh, by the way, some people actually don't think college is the worst experience in their natural born lives. And in so many ways, it's been a win-win for Zion. And he's still going to be the number one pick. And he's still going to be just fine after all is said and done. But for many people, as you said, the narrative is the narrative. And here's where I stand on this. Not that uh, we don't want to get totally on this tangent because we could do it all day. And I've done it a million times on talk radio. I'm not against kids getting paid per se. As you mentioned, amateurism is kind of a it, it, it's a it's a sham of a term that was invented by the late Walter Byers decades ago, who was the former head of the NCAA. And the, the, t- the TV money now is exponentially better than it was back then. So it's a different day and age. But if you want to have an honest debate about it, then start off with an honest premise to say these kids get nothing is, is completely apocryphal. Either you're that ignorant or you just don't want to have an honest discussion. It's more than the fact they get a free education. They do get money. If you're from a bad financial background, you get free government money on top of cost of attendance money, on top of free meals, free gear, free this, free that. 
and we're not going to go to the place that everybody knows we could go, which is what is given to these kids under the table. I'm not going there, and I'm certainly not going to go there in any specific name. None of these kids failed to, to pay for a pizza or take their girlfriend in the movies, which was the old 20, 30-year-old uh, debate that a lot of people like to cry and again, for them, it's it's based on they they want to make this a bigger sociological issue, and I don't I don't care to dive into that arena with them because I have better things to do with my spare time. Uh, but if you want to have an honest discussion about it, don't pretend like they don't get anything because they do get some let's just say financial means, and they are not broke as can be. Do they get paid what you want them to get paid? That's a whole other discussion. Uh, do you want them to get paid 50 grand a year, a hundred grand a year? I have no problem with guys being able to market themselves and get paid their true marketing value. Uh, but you always have the side that just takes it the whole other way. They exaggerate or they just provide false information in order to make their claim. And for them, it's an issue that it's not even about college sports, which they don't care about. It's about, it's about something uh, outside of that in a sociological political realm. And I just don't care to get into all that yeah. now. All that being said, as college football is concerned, I do think we are heading to a place because of the calendar, if nothing else, these kids that have already played three, four years, they're already thinking NFL draft and the combine. The draft is in April. The combine is in what, February? Yeah. Uh, So, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I get why some of these kids are not going to play in a tier three bowl game when they're their next step after playing three, four years is to get ready for the NFL draft. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not a blip on the radar. This is not a few guys. I do think this is a trend and I don't think it's going to stop. And I don't think it's going to stagnate. I think it's going to grow exponentially with a lot of guys saying, you know what? I'm going to pass on that. Not national championship game, not playoff, but outside of that playoff, I think you're going to see more and more of this. Well, and, and I think, too, with the number of scholarships you have in football, you can absorb that. And, and look, that we may have wild and woolly bowl. They may actually you – know, people say they're glorified exhibitions. They're not. They're actual games. But we may see more and more wild and woolly results as, as, as we, you know – uh, move forward, and and I think you know we've talked about how to improve the bowl system and all that. I think one thing the NCAA could do to sort of help the sport with all this is you know you have the the red shirt rule now where you can play in four games and um, not lose your red shirt. I would expand that to five for bowl teams and just say okay everybody's eligible for the bowl. That way, I mean, so Will Greer, you know which I didn't understand why he did it, but, but he, 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 he sits out West Virginia's bowl game this year. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space, space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped stripe, stripe. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Are you hungry for the usual today? 
Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville Hot Brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville Hot Seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw. Served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville Hot Brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. And, um... You know, their backup, let's say her, their backup was a hot-shot freshman that they were redshirting, that they had gotten into four blowout games, and so he couldn't really play without losing his redshirt. Well, that's not fair uh, because, you know, Will Greer's going to go do his thing, and, you know, then the team has to play their third stringer, and maybe that doesn't happen. Now, this is hypothetical. This didn't actually happen, but let's say it's hypothetical. Um, let's say Trevor, let's say Clemson does not make the playoff. Trevor Lawrence's junior year, and they're in that, you know, the the Champ Sports Bowl or whatever that is in Orlando or the Citrus Bowl or wherever, you know, and, and Clemson's got a good freshman. They've gotten into four games because they blow everybody out in the ACC. You know, that fifth game, they're going to have to play a walk-on or something. So, so I think that would be a good solution uh, for this. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I think the calendar does make it difficult. I mean, Debo Samuel took a lot of crap for sitting out the belt bowl for South Carolina. And obviously they didn't have a good game and that compounded it. But, and then they were like, well, if he doesn't want to, doesn't want to have injuries, you know, why is he going to play in the senior bowl? Well, the first of all, the senior bowl is an actual exhibition and all-star game. Uh, Second, because he prepared for it and got ready for it, his stock draft, his draft stock went way up. You know, so there's a guy that had just got through his first year in his career without getting injured, one of the most electric players in the SEC. Yeah, of course, you know, this is your chance. Go go to the seat, get ready for the senior bowl. By all means, don't worry about the belt bowl because you do you and, and the Gamecocks or whoever should be fine. Um, so, so I think that would be one tweak to the rules they could do. I also think it would generate some excitement because you're going to have some of these programs, Mike, like when Alabama doesn't make the playoff, you're going to have seven, eight guys say, yeah, we're not playing in the Sugar Bowl, you know? And, and so what would make that exciting for the fans is, okay, this is essentially the first game of next season. It's like an early spring game. Here are the guys that you need to look out for. You know, this kid's been redshirting, and he was hurt the first part of the year, but he's been great in practice. And, and that way you, you keep people's interest because college football, you know, fans – Recruiting's gone mainstream. We'll talk about that soon. Um, fans follow it year round, and getting an early look at next year in many ways uh, in a bowl game is just as exciting as uh, you know playing with the seniors or, or whatever. So I think that would be one tweak they could make. But I agree with you. You're going to see this more and more, and the numbers are going to be staggeringly higher when Ohio when Alabama doesn't make the playoff or you know oh, yeah. something like that because those schools produce so many draft picks. So we'll no see question. kind of how it rolls. Yeah, I would just say this too. Again, I don't – I'm not going to get I, – I, here, here's my thing on so many issues that we talk about nowadays in, in sports. I don't believe in faux outrage. I don't get outraged over things – that are not worthy of being outraged over. So if a number of kids start doing this, I, it, it's not going to affect what I do. It's not going to affect what 99% of us do. We wake up in the morning. If you have a family, you, 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 you take your kids to school, you go to work, you do this, you do that. I, I mean, 
it, it's not going to have this unbelievable, incredible earthquake seismic type effect on anybody personally. And I don't think it's going to destroy college football. Does it have an effect on the bowl games? Yes. But again, as long as you, I think most of us are kind of like big picture wise, as long as you stay away from our playoff and don't tamper with the integrity of that, we'll live with the consequences of the other things going on. So I, this doesn't bother me per se, and I'm not going to vilify the kids that sit out, even a Will Greer, who I think if I'm a, if I'm an NFL draft person, I see a quarterback who doesn't want to play in a rather meaningful bowl game following a rather successful season at West Virginia. Uh, you just got a, a check mark in the wrong category, my friend, for me, no matter how good you look in my combine. But that's just me. Not every scout's going to look at it that way. There's 32 NFL teams. 25 of them might say that's not a good look. And the other seven might say, I don't care. The kid's just about playing in the pros, and that's all we care about. But I will say this the whole notion that it's about the fear of injury, you know, kind of like the, the Zion injury, anybody who's played basketball, whether it's a pickup game or a workout or anything else, that, that type of injury where you tweak a knee, not necessarily a sneaker exploding, but tweaking knees, Achilles, ankles, that's just the price of playing ball, period. You mentioned walking across the street and you get hit by a car. I'm going to take it in even to a, an area that is even more realistic for these kids, and that is – I did Carolina Panther preseason games for five years. And of course the big argument there is anytime somebody got hurt in the preseason, why do we play these games anyway? Most of the injuries were non-contact. So I would listen to people fly off the handle about preseason games and how it's ruining the sport. And there most of the injuries were in practice and were non-contact Wide receivers making a cut and tearing up their knee. Running backs doing the same. Quarterbacks don't even get hit uh, in in practice uh, and rarely have a debilitating injury in a preseason game. So in other words, it's another flawed argument. So if you're skipping out on the bowl game because you really think you're going to have a career-ending injury in the bowl game, I I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, However... If you just don't want to play in it and you want to gear up for the NFL draft, I get it. Like, I understand it. Uh, it, Do I think it's good for bowl games? No. But (laughs) if these kids have already played three, four years and they don't want to play in the Citrus Bowl or they don't want to play in the Liberty Bowl or the Papa John's Bowl or whatever we're calling it now since Papa John is not – Papa John, or is he pop? I don't know what Papa John is anymore. Anyway, uh, I, it, if that's the case, that's the case. But make no mistake about it. No matter where you side on the issue, it's here and it's here to stay and it's going to grow, grow, grow. And for those that think, well, if we just gave them, you know, they already get their swag bag, $500, $1,000 worth of gifts, whatever the case may be. If you gave them five grand to play in the bowl game, the kids that actually are on the verge of going to the NFL, you think five grand is going to move the meter? I, I don't think so. I, I think they're still going to get ready uh, for the postseason. Um, before we get into the coaching carousel, there was other big news that happened in the last couple of weeks that I didn't see coming, JC. I don't know if maybe one of your 24-7 affiliates in Columbia, Missouri, uh, knew this was brewing. I didn't even know Missouri was under investigation, but of course the NCAA not only was looking into Missouri football, baseball, 
which is ironic because they've not been very good in baseball for a while. Uh, and what softball, I guess, was the other sport. It, yeah. It's not it's not men's basketball, but those sports. And the NCAA decides to not only give them uh, probation, but they drop the hammer and put a postseason ban in addition to scholarship uh, uh, cuts. This shocked everybody I've spoken to, including people that fall in Missouri. So immediately a firestorm comes out and it's the old, well, wait a minute. How come Missouri gets this? You have North Carolina accused of academic fraud for crying out loud and they get a slap on the wrist. It's the same old complaint and it's a legitimate one. Where is the consistency in the NCAA? Because I'll tell you how most people feel. Most people feel like the NCAA is like the ultimate bully that likes to pick on the weakling. But then when it comes across somebody that's bigger than them, i.e. a marquee program, well, then all of a sudden they're not the bully anymore. They become the wimp. And this is a classic case of Missouri is a rather easy target that doesn't have nearly the cachet of some of the other programs that have been accused of worse. And so let's go ahead and be heavy handed and prove just how strong we can be. And let's knock Missouri out for a few years. Your thoughts? Well, I I think it's ridiculous because it's a uh, it's a situation where you had one loose cannon tutor that was actually trying to sell her story out there, um, taking tests for players and all that. And, and here, here's my question, Mike. I thought the thing with the North Carolina deal was that we, you know, the NCAA can't ultimately cannot regulate academic integrity. Now, this is different because the the accusation at North Carolina was easy classes for athletes, which is a an accreditation issue and all that. If you set up easy classes where you just have to take one test and show up twice and get a get an A, that's your business as an academic institution. <laughs> and the NCAA really that was their thing. We don't have anything to do with this. This was actually cheating and an extra impermissible benefits and all that good stuff. Now, you're splitting hairs, but that's kind of uh that's kind of what happened. Um every time I hear the the whole uh you know, oh, they just pick on the pick on the, 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 the non-high-profile programs and everybody else is cheating because the cash cow. I, I go back and look at this, and, and granted, North Carolina is one of the most iconic brands because of their basketball program and Michael Jordan and all that in, in the entire NCAA. And I mean, North Carolina, in a lot of ways, especially basketball, is a cash cow for the NCAA. Um, but you go back, Mike, Southern Cal got – overly harsh penalties for a Reggie Bush situation where Reggie Bush was just kind of out there on his own, you know, and and it wasn't really an institutional wide thing. And they got, they got out of the bowl game for two straight years. Um, you know, you look at Ohio state that was banned from a bowl urban Myers first year, um, because of stuff that happened during the trestle era and that team went undefeated and, and the NCAA took opportunity away from, folks who really weren't at fault. And so that, those are two of the biggest brands in, in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that that necessarily rings true. I do think in this particular situation, regardless if it was Missouri or LSU or Florida or, you know, whoever, or the, the you know, Sisters of the Poor University, uh, this is overly harsh. This is a situation where 
You had a rogue tutor. It, it could happen anywhere in the country. Um, Missouri goes in and says, all right, well, we want to fix this. She's been fired. And, you know, for, from what she was claiming when she was trying to sell her book, and this is what I've read, to what actually took place, you know, there were it was, it, she claimed seven times the improprieties than what they actually had happened. And yet you're going to kick the baseball team out of the postseason this year. And then you're going to take – you know, you're gonna you're basically trying to sh- shove a sword into Barry Odom's career. Barry Odom, who's a good guy and a good coach, who's coaching at his alma mater, who I think had a hell of a season last year because I didn't expect it. Yeah, they went eight and five, uh, two losses on the last plays of the game, and then lost to Bama and Georgia, and then dropped their bowl game to Okie State. Um, and you're stalling his momentum when he's got all these starters coming back when he's trying to rebuild that program that still is relatively young in the toughest cut football conference in America. They don't have the tradition a lot of the other schools do. Um, and the NCAA doesn't pay any attention to that. Um, and they just want to, you know, prove a point and shove a dagger into him. Okay. Uh, and then their baseball program. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to sit there on in a sport that you try to kill on an annual basis by the scholarship limitations because of title nine. And that's a subject we could talk about some other time. Hmm. You know, you limit these guys to 11.7 scholarships. You don't fund it. Um, You know, they're lucky to get tutoring sometimes or books or whatever. Most of the guys are paying out of pocket. You love amateurism, don't you? You love it so much. Here's going to kick these guys out of the postseason because a rogue tutor took a test for a baseball player. You're just going to say, nope, play your 64 – or I'm sorry, 56 games and go home. That's wrong. Okay, and that also shows you that some of these people that work for the NCAA that are on the the rules committees or whatever don't. I don't even think they like sports, Mike, or understand it. You know, so so to me, that's wrong. Now, there's a second part to this with Tennessee trying to poach some of Barry Odom's seniors because the rules are if you're out of a bowl, um, the seniors can transfer anywhere without penalty. <laughs> And so he got a little hot under the collar about that, having to re-recruit his senior class. And what I would say to him is that that's more of a unspoken rule amongst coaches um, because that's not against the rules because if you're eligible to transfer, just like if you went in the portal, they could call you and contact you and just see. Um, is it, you know, would you, would you consider it kind of your fellow coaches stabbing you in the back? Yes, but all is fair and love war in recruiting, especially in the Southeastern Conference. Deal with it. My ire would be torn towards the NCAA because it's not Tennessee's fault that they're banned from a bowl. It's, 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 it's the NCAA coming down too heavy-handed along with this rogue tutor and whatever improprieties happened uh, within the university. Now, and, that this, you know, Missouri needs to get their act together. I, I think their athletic director is kind of a clown, to be honest. Uh, I think they need probably more changes in leadership at that school. You're talking about a school that they nearly – rioted and had walkouts because of, of an alleged poop swastika uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, it, it, it's it, Mizzou has been a mess for a while, and I don't understand it because it's a heck of a school. Um, and, and I think that if I were their administration, this is your chance to kind of redeem yourself and go to the NCAA and play hardball like schools like Auburn do in, in, in the Southeastern Conference and say, you know, we're, we're not going to – we're not going to accept this, and we're going to sue your ass off if you don't overturn it. Because that's what should happen here. Because this is this is just harsh 
and it's going to you know, negatively financially impact the university, et cetera. I also think Southeastern Conference needs to get involved. You know, Greg Sankey loves to go to bat for a lot of schools in the league, and I like Greg Sankey. Missouri is not one of those schools I've heard of him going to bat for very often. So I, I think he could actually endear himself to a lot of the fans around the league that aren't fans of the, the quote-unquote big six. Um, and, you know, play hardball with the NCAA too because that's one of your member institutions that's getting completely raked over the coals for something that really could have been handled through summary disposition or, or self-imposed penalties and all that. The, well, the, yeah, and, and you gave me a lot to chew on there. Number one, um, you're right. Uh, the NCAA in the past, let's not forget, before Alabama became Nick Saban's Alabama, was placed on probation not that long ago. Auburn, not that long ago, was placed under probation. Uh, Terry Bowden had an 11-0 season in 1993, had nothing to show for it because they were still under probation from Pat from Pat Dye. So, yes, in the past, it's not as if they're completely afraid to take a big-name program uh, and put them under probation. I do think there seems to be a little more willingness to take a program like Missouri. We're talking about a rogue tutor who wanted to get paid and basically did everything she could to hurt the university when it didn't go her way. And there's so many other ways to do this without a bowl ban and postseason ban. Uh, it, it just, to me, and who knows, maybe Greg Sankey has spoken to the NCAA, and of course Missouri has appealed the, the sanctions. But it's another case and situation that looks to me like if you're going to be accused of something by the NCAA, the right way to go is to not be forward and is to not go ahead and give all the information and is to not do a mea culpa because the schools that just try to cover it up to the very end seem to get away with it. And the schools that try to say, okay, you got us. We had this bad tutor. Okay. You, you admit it. You admit it. Okay. Well now we're going to beat the hell out of you in the way of sanctions. That's that sends a bad message to me. Don't like it. Uh, don't like the way this was handled. And, uh, unfortunately you've got a program that's already struggling in a number of sports. And this is hard. This is not, Anything that rises to the level of what Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss is uh, basically guilty of doing, which, by the way, don't get me started on vacating wins. That's the other thing that's happened since you and I were on last is vacating all of Hugh Freeze's win. Okay, I guess they didn't beat Alabama twice. That that never happened. Those games didn't take place. Silliness. So now we've got to change the record books. Absolutely silliness. Ole Miss is paying the penalty as well they should. But to try and change the results of games and vacate wins, you don't solve anything by doing that. Just just stupidity. And this is why the NCAA – and I always get torn because I don't want to just jump in the pool and with people that don't even know what the NCAA is or who runs it. The NCAA, folks, before you use the word hypocrisy, which is not even properly using the word um, to describe the NCAA – the NCAA is not some governmental agency. It, the NCAA is formulated by the colleges, by the presidents, by the athletic directors. So if you have a problem specifically with the NCAA, which I do and most people seem to that follow college sports, you can't write your president. You can't write your congressman. You can't write your congresswoman. You can't write your mayor. You can't write your city council. 
the person to write is the AD and the president because they formulate this thing. They come up with the rules. This is not some third-party deal. Uh, it's extremely flawed, and the schools need to get together and do a better job of reforming it. But at any rate, I, I just think this whole thing stinks, and I, I, it seems to me like this does not rise to the level of what Missouri got in the way of sanctions. I'm sorry. <laughs> One rogue tutor, and, and we're treating it as if Missouri was uh, lining up Ferraris to potential recruits in football and and men's baseball uh i i i i hate to see it for uh for any institution that has not been involved in that heaviest stuff but nevertheless that's the case and i i can't remember the last time one of these schools won that kind of appeal it just kind of seems like that's going to be their fate and missouri is going to be playing uh kind of the, the the role of a uh what's the term i'm looking for spoiler well, yeah, a roll the spoiler um, in, in some ways because they've got nothing to play for. They've got they've got no bowl game to play for. So you got your twelve games, and then uh, that is all. And of course, that'll be the same case for the uh, baseball team as well. Uh, all right, we've put it off long enough. Again, this is JC and Morgan podcast brought to you by BP Skinner Clothiers dot com for all your custom clothing needs. Check them out. Brent Skinner will come to you. Set up an appointment today. You'll be awfully glad that you did. J.C. Sherbert is a man that knows a thing or two about fashion, but he knows a lot more about recruiting. And we had our second National Signing Day uh, that came and went. And this one, I know now it's kind of anticlimactic, J.C., unlike the way it used to be. However, this one had a little more juice to it. Yeah, it did. And, um, you know, there, there were some surprises at the end. Uh you know, Tennessee uh, is a school that certainly has always recruited pretty well. Um, and, you know, when you get two five-star offensive tackles in a class and then you go to California and sign a five-star linebacker, that's reminiscent of the Fulmer years where they used to kind of pull surprises at the end. And, of course, Philip Fulmer as the AD is heavily involved with the running of the football program. And Jeremy Pruitt's one of the best recruiters in the country. A lot of people talk about Clemson, uh, not Clemson's class, Florida's class being ninth, and, and I think it's a very good class. I uh, like some of their defensive talent, but, you know, I kind of look back. Florida usually recruits between 9 and 12 every single cycle, um, and I think Dan Mullen is going to have more raw talent to work with in Gainesville than he did in Starkville, but I also think he's going to continue to evaluate the under-the-radar guys who are going to end up being significantly better in some cases um, than uh, the higher-rated guys. So I think that was a storyline to watch. Uh, you know, Alabama finished with the number one class despite Nick Saban reassembling his entire coaching staff. Georgia, number two class in the country, signed the top two prospects from the state of Alabama, <laughs> which is interesting. Bama, on the other hand, signed eight defensive linemen. Three of them are from the state of Georgia. So those two teams sort of went across the borders and did well. Texas number three, A&M number four. Um, this is a really highly ranked class when you compare the past history at A&M. Kevin Sumlin always recruited really well. It was nothing rankings-wise compared to this for Jimbo Fisher. You know, 27 commits. Uh, of course, his classes at Florida State were about that high uh, every single cycle, and um, they out-recruited Clemson every single cycle, and – that team he assembled down there lost 59 to 10 on its home field to the Tigers this year. So that doesn't always mean you're on your way. 
Uh, I do think that, you know, Oklahoma, when you look at their class, 24 commits, three five-stars, 13 four-stars, you know, they did a good job. You know, Oklahoma usually recruits somewhere between, like, 9 and 18, and that's kind of where they were under Stoops. I think the playoff appearances have helped Lincoln Riley and his staff. I think I think they're a little more aggressive uh, getting out there and uh, trying to land top guys. Um, you know, they went to Georgia and got a four five-star receiver. Their quarterback from Arizona is a five-star guy. Uh, and they went into Texas and got a five-star player. You know, they, they're getting back into Texas pretty well. The, the, the story of this whole the whole recruiting class, though, I think is Oregon. Mario Cristobal goes in and signs six of the top 15 in the state of California. And listen to this, Mike. In the state of California, if you look at kind of where everybody went, and this is something to keep an eye on if you're, you know, into the Pac-12 and especially into the Los Angeles schools or the Bay Area schools, you look at this, only one, two, I'm counting up three, Four, five of the top 25 in that state stayed in state. Cal signed nobody. Stanford signed, I think, two. UCLA signed one. Southern Cal, four or, or, or three. However the numbers add up. I'm not doing math right now. But everybody else left the state. A lot of them went to the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, or Washington. Texas got three. Clemson got one. Tennessee got one. South Carolina got one. Florida got one. Arizona State got the number three kid in the state. That's something to look out for moving forward is that it's 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 been a minute since both the Bruins and Trojans and then Stanford and Cal ha- have been hemorrhaging these type of players. And you're talking about numbers-wise, Mike, the top talent-producing state in America. So there was an exodus of elite talent. Oregon signed six guys, um, 11 total out of California. Uh, That could be a balance of power. I don't like hyperbole about recruiting classes, one recruiting class. But given what they got going up there and then kind of the the mass exodus, this could be a balance of power type thing that that ends up shifting in in the Pac-12, which already is kind of suffering based on – you know, mediocre play from top to bottom and power schools struggling. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because this is something I wanted to address. And quite honestly, I didn't have it on my docket uh, because we've got a number of things we're trying to squeeze into an hour's worth of time. Uh, and I want to focus on your last point, and, and that is you, know, you were talking initially about where the balance of power might be shifting within the conference itself. After all this happened, I was listening quite a bit to a guy you and I both have a lot of respect for in Tom Lukenbill. And he, along with, I can't remember who he was hosting the show with. You know what? It was Jim Mora. It was Jim Mora, who, of course, coached at UCLA in the Pac-12 for a number of years. And what they were both alluding to is that here's the Pac-12, and it has been a tough stretch. In the playoff era, there has been no league that has been more inept at being a major factor in playing for national championships in the Pac-12. And by the way, we could take this further into other sports. It hasn't exactly been a great period for Pac-12 basketball as well, but let's keep it to football. Their point, their concern, and, to, and by the way, these are not um, 
Jim Moore, as I mentioned, coached at UCLA a number of years. Tom Lukenbill does games nationally as a sideline analyst for ESPN. He is he is in Pac-12 stadiums all the time. This is not just a couple of SEC guys, quote unquote, trying to talk about the demise of the Pac-12. But they were they had genuine concerns about where the Pac-12 is headed, where the talent pool is, and what is what what they're recruiting from as compared to all the teams in the Sun Belt and in the Big Ten. JC, it, it doesn't appear to be getting better anytime soon. Like It's not just a Southern Cal UCLA problem. And I realize, I mean, I'm looking at the 24-7 rankings right now, and I you know, look, I see Stanford there at 21 and Washington there at 16. So if you, if you just go on that, look, there, there's some good things to, for the Pac-12 to kind of pound its chest over. But I thought their points, and, I, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Jim Moore. And look, Jim Moore has no reason to badmouth the Pac-12 as a whole, and certainly Tom Luganbill doesn't. But they're both sitting there and like, folks, something has to be done. Like if you're Larry Scott and you're the commissioner of the Pac-12, you got to figure out some type of strategy because the Pac-12 seems to be falling further and further behind the other Power Five conferences and the other Power Five schools. Do you see that from a recruiting standpoint? Do you see some of those points to be valid? Uh, I mean, yeah. All right, so every conference, you you have the SEC, ACC that's down in the in the talent rich South. Every other conference has what I call breadbasket um, states. Um, it's like the Soviet Union, the Ukraine. Which is not, they're now two separate countries that fight all the time. Ukraine was the breadbasket. They produced enough wheat or however the hell you make bread, and uh, it fed the whole country. We will send the be wheat to Siberia. Okay, so you have what, what I call breadbasket states. The Pac-12, it's been California forever, and it always will be. I mean, the population in Arizona is growing. It's a growing state, a lot like Tennessee, so... Whereas you used to have 10 players there, maybe you have 25 now. The state of Washington is always good for about 20 guys, and then Oregon has 10. And then there's nothing in Nevada, uh, about five in Utah, and about 10 in Colorado. So you've got to sign players out of California. And the the concern is when they all head east or to the North Pacific Northwest. Now, now look, they still sign half the top twenty five. They still sign plenty of California talent, but where are the players going to come from? Uh, and, and this is the same thing that's happened to the Florida schools over the years. When Florida started hemorrhaging players, when it was not abnormal for a kid to turn down a Florida, Florida State, or Miami and go to a Clemson or an Alabama or a Georgia or Ohio State or even a Texas at times, you know, when that started becoming normal, you see Miami has one division title in what, 14 years since they've been in the, in the ACC for God's sake, Florida state mm-hmm. did win a national title because Jimbo did a good job of signing Florida talent uh, and got Jameis Winston. But then after that, you, you see what kind of dumpster fire they are. Florida's on what their third coach since urban Meyer um, and it's a result of, well, you know, Calvin Ridley, he'd have probably been at Miami or Florida State. Where was he at? Alabama. You know, and, and then things like being dumb and not wanting DeAndre Baker, who went to Georgia and became a star, you know. And, and so that's – if that starts to happen in California, you know, 
The SEC can survive the Gators being down. The ACC, it hurts them if the Seminoles and Canes are not good to a, for a little bit. But, hey, Clemson's risen up, and there are other schools in that conference that care about football. If the Pac-12 as a whole starts losing players out of their breadbasket each and every year, it's going to be difficult to get back and, and, and be a force in the playoffs. I mean, you look at the playoff. Oregon went and played for all the marbles, and probably – from the first play of the season until kickoff against Ohio State, they were probably the best team in the country that year. As far as you know, margin of victory, they they obliterated Florida State in the Rose Bowl. Marcus Mariota was fantastic. Okay, so Ohio State has its third string quarterback and basically lines it up and just runs it up their behinds and stop and stuffs them. And that game was all about talent. It's twenty two point margin of victory in a championship game. Washington made the playoff. That's the only other Pac-12 team to make it. And Alabama, Nick Saban was about as red as the helmets after the game because he was so mad because they didn't play well. Bama still won by 17, and Washington never really seriously threatened them. So that's a function of talent. You know, you've got to have players, and and you've got to be able to keep your good players out of your breadbasket state, you know, uh, within your within your region, at least, and and, and I and it's a shame, Mike, because the Pac-12 is a great league, in my opinion. Historically, what I love about it is every school at one point or the other in the Pac-12 has been really good. So, so you're not dealing with anybody that doesn't have a chance. Colorado's won a national championship. So is Washington. Washington State has played in the Rose Bowl. Oregon State under Dennis Erickson went to the Fiesta Bowl and thumped Notre Dame 41-9. I'll, I'll never forget that game as long as I live. And that's Oregon State. Oregon's been good. Cal's been good. Stanford's been good. UCLA. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and for a while there, they had really good coaches. Um, I don't know if it may not if it may be a facilities thing or a money thing or a commitment thing uh, by the conference or an exposure thing. But but this would be a big red flag if I was a fan of any of the Pac-12 schools from SC, from Los Angeles to Corvallis to Tempe to Tucson to Salt Lake City. Uh, I, I'd be uh, to Pullman. I'd be a little bit worried. I would too, and I haven't even mentioned the fact. And I just saw this on uh, HBO's Real Sports, which I've always said can be an entertaining show if you can stomach Brian Gumble for an hour. Um, it, it, there is a national decline in football participation from the little leagues on up that continues to happen. It's not necessarily declining in the inner cities, but middle class is on a rapid decline, and that is exaggerated in the state of California. So that talent pool, that breadbasket, to use your term, could become less and less with time for the schools of the Pac-12. And there ain't a whole lot of Pac-12 schools that are getting kids from the state of Florida or Georgia or Texas. Uh, that becomes a really hard situation. You know, Oregon's made themselves a national brand again. And that's good for Mario Cristobal. But um, Southern Cal, Washington, UCLA, Arizona State, I and mean, these are programs that typically need kids in that region in order to succeed. So I, I just, I just thought it was interesting stuff. And listening to Jim Mora. Uh, talk about it in a very uh, concerned tone, if you will, that the, the Pac-12 
is not on the way up. It's been a bad run and it could get worse. And I, I, I mean, I would be concerned. I don't know what they're going to do over there. I don't know what the answer is. Smarter people than me will figure it out, but I think that's going to be an issue here for quite some time. Um, okay. So that covers recruiting the other major news since we've been away. Some of the coaching moves, I'm going to read this real quick from cbssports.com. They did kind of a winners and losers grades, if you will, on the coaching moves. So here are the A's Ryan day to Ohio state, Les miles to Kansas, Hugh freeze to Liberty, Jake Spavadol to Texas state. And if you're wondering who Spav is, he's the guy that coached Johnny Manziel, Kyler Murray, Will Greer, uh, knows a thing or two about coaching quarterbacks and the mighty Texas state Bobcats were 122nd in total offense last year. So obviously you're Texas state. You're not getting pick of the litter anyway. You're not getting the big names, but that's a, that's a lot. That's a very logical, what I would call hire Manny Diaz, Miami, a, Again, makes all the sense in the world. Neil Brown, West Virginia, A minus. I'm so glad Neil Brown is getting a chance at a Power Five program. I think when you do what he did at Troy, you deserve that kind of look, and he's getting it uh, at West Virginia, even though he has really no specific ties that I know of to Morgantown. Dana Holgerson, Houston, A minus. Houston ponied up a heck of a lot of money. Dana Holgerson does have some ties to that area. And he bailed on a West Virginia uh, job, even though there was some talk that maybe kind of worn out his welcome there anyway, and is going to the American Conference. So it's uh, you got to say that's a coup. I don't know how that wouldn't be an A. Mel Tucker for Colorado, B plus. Uh, former Georgia defensive coordinator. I, I, jury's still out on Mel Tucker for me. Um, I, I want to see what Mel Tucker does with that job, yeah. which is which was once a marquee job, and that has changed dramatically. I didn't Matt, see what was so wrong about McIntyre, but go ahead. I didn't either. No, I'm right there with you. He had a bad I, I thought, year. He had one bad year. I thought McIntyre did a good job. Do people remember what Colorado looked like before McIntyre? <laughs> oh, Joe, Look the, at the last the coaching Joe administration. The era was terrible, yeah. It, 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 was, it, was, it was a punchline. Colorado's been a punchline for a decade. Matt Wells, Texas Tech, B+. Mike Loxley of Maryland, B+. Scott Satterfield, Louisville, B. Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, B. Will Healy, Charlotte, B. Uh, Rod Carey, Temple, B. Mac Brown, North Carolina, B-. Jim McElwain, Central Michigan, B-. Thomas Hammock, B-. Uh, they have a jury is out category. Chip Lindsey, Tyson Helton. Scott Leffler to name a few. And then their one F Gary Anderson of Utah state. They go on to say the Aggies replaced one of the top rising coaches Wells with a retread. Not only is Anderson a retread, he's the guy who walked out on Wisconsin and Oregon state. Somehow Utah state hired back a coach who was only 26 and 24 in his first go around with the Aggies before leaving in 2012. All right. So, all right, so once again, I mean, okay, so how is Les Miles to Kansas an A hire? I, I know he's the biggest name Kansas could have gotten, but I don't. You, you talk about fit. I, I don't. I just don't know. I mean, I, I would think Mac, and, and I understand rating the retreads a little lower because, um, gosh, the only one I could ever remember working out all that well was Dennis Erickson when he went back to Oregon State. They, they got back up and started doing better, you know, again. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, no, not Dennis Erickson. Mike Riley. I'm sorry. Mike Riley going back to Oregon State. Um, I think Gary Anderson's still a good coach. Is he Is he emotional? Is he is he kind of a guy that you, you don't know what he's going to do? You're like, oh, my God, I don't know. He, you got to kind of handle it. Yes. But he's still a good coach. And so was Urban Meyer, for that matter. Okay. So so I don't want to hear it. I, you know, Neil Brown, an A- minus versus Les Miles, an A-. You know, somebody really likes to interview Les Miles about it. I, <laughs> I just – I get it. You know, Hugh Freeze to Liberty, yeah, that's an absolute coup for Liberty. Jake Spavadol, I mean, he's kind of been on the radar for a while. The Manny Diaz hires – I mean, I love Manny Diaz. He's very – if you talk to people about coaches, Manny Diaz is is a guy that either people are like superstar or they're like, uh Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I tend to be on the superstar end because I'm not going to hold it against him that he was, you know – had a bad year at Texas under Mac Brown. I mean, because that's basically had a bad year, one bad year as a DC. I think he'll do fine at Miami and their recruiting is going well. But I think the best hire on all these is Neil Brown. The Ryan Day grade, I can get behind that. Um, because I think and I said this on the podcast, Mike, when Ryan mm-hmm. Day got the interim job. You were high on him. Who who told you? I mean, and, and to come to find out, you know, it, but but he's still the guy that follows the guy. Okay. And when you're the guy that follows the guy, or when you're a retread, you have a, a statistically less chance on the on the success curve or the success matrix, if you will. You're kind of down here, and you just, eh, you know, you're just like, eh, you know. So, so is it is it the best hire in the country? I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I mean, and I think Ryan Day is a rising star, and I, he would have gotten a job someplace else if it had not been Ohio State. But I will say. That um, I think it's risky to put an A on him and an A on Les and an A minus on Neil Brown, who's an absolute fantastic fit at West Virginia. I think the two most interesting hires, number one, Dana Holgerson, the fact that an American conference school, and again, Houston should be in the Big 12, and it's shameful that in 2019, Houston is not in the same conference as Texas and Baylor uh, and Texas Tech. Um, we all know what that's about. But it's it's unfortunate and it's it's counterintuitive and I think it's counterproductive in the long haul. Nevertheless, if you can steal a Big Twelve coach and get him in your league, he might work out. He might not. I'm not saying Dana Holgerson's a genius. I just think that's that's pretty doggone cool. If you're Houston and you're able to do that, that's that's reminding everybody, hey, we we might not be in a Power Five conference. Well, we got power five money and resources over here. So screw y'all. I mean, that's kind of the way I took that hire uh, at face value. And I'll just say this. Do not just gloss over the Hugh Freeze hire. Hugh Freeze, again, recently in the news, they just vacated all his wins. That, that's fine. That's the NCAA doing what the NCAA does. And there's no question his recruiting tactics uh, were put into question justifiably so. And he's left a, a bad mark unfortunately uh, on Ole Miss that they've, you know, they've had to kind of suffer through the last couple of years and Matt Luke's going to try to get them out of the abyss. But Hugh Freeze, one thing you cannot deny, he can coach some offense now. And Liberty, for those who don't know anything about Liberty, I happen to, to, to know a couple people that have coached there and I knew their former AD, Jeff Barber, very well. Liberty has ridiculous financial resources 
he's going to win over there. I mean, he's going to win some games at Liberty, probably pull off a, a, a stunning upset or two. And Hugh Freeze's name is very much going to be relevant again in the SEC. And I, I'm sure it's one of those, if you hire him, you're going to get a letter uh, from the commissioner's office saying, you sure you want to do this? But I don't think that's going to be enough to stop a school that's determined, that's really been struggling. Either A, a program that just wants a, a, a really good play caller, uh, that loses good play callers a lot, like say, oh, I don't know, Alabama, or B, a program that has really struggled in the SEC that needs a head coach. And at some point, enough time will have passed where I think enough people will be able to uh, overlook some of his transgressions and say, okay, let's give him another shot. Because at the end of the day, uh, most people will tell you Hugh Freeze is a much better human being than Bobby Petrino and Bobby Petrino got chance after chance after chance. So just a name, you're not going to hear a ton about it because it's Liberty, but that hire to me, it's, yeah, it's good for Liberty, but he's not going to be there very long. And I, I really, I feel like there's a good chance you might see him resurface in a power five school. And it would not surprise me if it's in the sec, uh, before we look ahead to next week's podcast, again, want to mention BP Skinner Clothiers. Go ahead, check out the website, website bpskinnerclothiers.com. It's real simple. You just click on the little link there. It says book an appointment. Type in your information when you want him to come to your place, him being Brent Skinner, the king of haberdashery. I tell you, I get so many compliments on the suits and the jackets and the ties that I wear on TV, and it's not because I'm good at doing this stuff. It's because Brent Skinner is good at doing it. That's why so many people in my line of work, so many coaches, players, businessmen, casual people that just want to look good, all go to the same man no matter where you are in the country. That man is Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers. Check out the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Book an appointment today. He will come to you free of charge. Everything you need to see, he will fit you. You will look great with custom suits, shirts, accessories, you name it. Look your very best. Feel your very best with the help of Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers, bpskinnerclothiers.com. JC, next week, hard to believe it, we're going to start talking spring football. Games are not that far off. Mm -hmm. Most of them in the SEC are televised, if not all. I think maybe all but one are nationally televised, some of the ACC as well. Uh, a lot of the premier programs, again, these are glorified scrimmages, but they give us an excuse to talk about players, to get a look at potential new quarterbacks and see who's making what moves on the depth chart. So from that standpoint, it's college football in the spring, and we do love that part of it. I'll tell you another thing, an idea, and we'll get into this during the offseason, I'm sure. You could move the bowl games to the spring. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, and, Whoa. You know, instead of a spring game, you know, in other words, like, so you went seven and five. All right. So you go home in November when you, you do finals or whatever. And, and, and then you come back. And so you went seven and five. So, so you get slotted into the music city bowl uh, and you play it March 31st or whatever. And then you could have playoff teams in actual bowl. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm for saving the, I would, I would miss it over Christmas. I would miss it over Christmas. Oh, you know who else would miss it over Christmas? ESPN. ESPN, because those, those are some major empty TV windows that need to be filled, which is why they're on there in the first place. Even if 27 people are in the stands, they're still making money. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, but also you, you've got, I mean, it's kind of in that, 
you know, basketball sandwich, but you know, you're, you're at the end of basketball, you know, people, not every market loves, I don't know. It was just, uh, I think it would be something. And if the, if the spring football leagues are here to stay, the AAF and I guess the XFL starting up pretty soon. I don't know why they're doing that. Cause I think the AF, if people will give the AAF chan- a chance, it'll be pretty good. When spring football becomes more popular, I could see it. Heck, you could have teams go to bowl games in both. Why not? Radical thoughts today by J.C. Sherbert. I, I, I'm a radical. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I want I want to mention one thing before we get off. Uh, if yep. you if you are in the Atlanta area, I want to invite you guys out. Uh, if you're looking for a place to get a drink that's fun and lively and um, you know owned by a good friend of mine, head out to Dive Bar in Buckhead. Uh, they kind of partner with me on a lot of different things. I wanted to give them a shout out and mention that. And also, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Um, it's free. You just sit there and hit subscribe. You can rate us five stars, and we would appreciate that. Don't rate me mm-hmm. three stars. Rate me five um, <laughs> on the Apple iTunes store. That helps us get ranked higher and gets more and more of happy college football fans like you guys listening to our voices each and every episode. Very well said. And again, thanks to everybody being patient with us. Uh, just a little bit of time between this podcast and our last one, but as we promised, we'll be with you throughout the off season to keep you up to speed on everything going on in college football for JC Sherbert. This is Mike Morgan for now. We'll see you next time in a short amount of time on the JC and Morgan podcast. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from.